following message is from New Life Gillette's Grand Opening Sunday. Pastor Mike presents this message. Hi guys, I'm Jeremiah Alder. This is my fiance, Sylvia Schutz. And it's crazy how far we've came in our journey with Christ. I mean, she's not even from here. No, I was born in Utah, grew up a little bit in Texas, a little bit in Idaho. Um, mostly grew up in the Mormon or LDS church. Um, I started coming here with Jeremiah in May of 2020, but he came a lot sooner. Yeah, and I, I went through, I don't know how many churches in Gillette to try to find one that made me feel like home and made me feel comfortable. And then late 2017, I decided to come here with a buddy of mine and I instantly felt welcomed and I was um, greeted in the parking lot. I was greeted when I walked through the doors and then through the auditorium doors. And it took me a little while to feel comfortable of serving, but mid 2019, I started serving on the host team with Zach. And then I ended up, I'm the one that drives the golf cart now, picking up people in the, the mornings and making them so they don't gotta walk. and. Here re recently, me and Sylvia, we ended up joining the youth youth team and we're now leaders for the youth. Yeah, um, I mean, I said a little bit, I grew up in the Mormon church and, you know, I came to New Life. I was hesitant to come Sunday mornings. I mean, you were dressed to the nines. People were there to be social. Um, it was a lot less Christ-centered and it was a really harsh and judgmental environment. Um, I mean, that's what I grew up. That's what I knew in church. And so, I was a little hesitant coming here with Jeremiah. I wasn't sure what to expect, um, but I mean, I showed up that Sunday morning. People were awesome. I mean, people got to know me. They asked me my name. Um, they knew who Jeremiah was, and so they wanted to get to know me. Um, and we went in and there was the worship and people were singing and excited to be there, which was, I mean, a brand new experience for me. I hadn't seen people worship like that before, not up close. Um, but Mike got up to share his message that day. I mean, he was wearing a t-shirt. And that's not something I was used to, and I could relate to that. I mean, I, I wear t-shirts all the time. That's what I do. And so to see that, I this felt like home. This felt like people I knew that I could relate to. Jeremiah got me involved with serving as well. I worked a little bit with the younger kids, um, and that was great. People are so kind, and people know the families, the, the younger kids and the older kids, um, which is just, it's crazy. There's so many people here that know each other. If you look at, I mean, the people who are in the music and the people who work with the kids, they're all, there's some connection with all of that. Um, and it's people that care about each other, that take time to invest in everyone's lives around them. And it's not just the hospitality team, it's the technical team, the worship team, the pastors, Mike and Paul, they all take the initiative to learn who's here, to get to know people, to make them feel like this is home. And when they say, come as you are, they mean it. Just come and you'll find your place. I believe it was in May of 2018 is when I decided to show my, my public display of faith by getting baptized here. Um, it was, I wouldn't say it was a difficult choice. It was definitely, it was nerve wracking. It really was, but it's, it's something that once you're ready for it to show people, it, it changes your life. It really does. And it's funny that you call it nerve wracking because I found it peaceful. 
I, I was baptized in January of 2021, actually, pretty recently here. Um, and I'd been baptized before as a little kid in the LDS church, but I felt like it gave me a fresh start and a new beginning for my relationship with Christ. And new life was the right place to start that. I mean, it's the words from Christ to, to come as you are. And um, I heard that in church, but it's so true here to come from a background of, I mean, divorced parents. And my dad has been an alcoholic since I was a kid. Um, and I felt like that was shameful that I had to hide that. And that didn't, it wasn't, it made me that I was not worthy to sit in a pew on Sunday mornings, but that's not how it is at New Life. People here admit their struggles and they talk about them and we find ways to confront them. Um, and people work together and they're not afraid of the ugly parts of life. New Life takes it a step further to make circles, make life groups. And I joined my first life group in 2019 with, um, it was a college life group at the time. And now I am with a bunch of the hospitality leaders and part of the staff here. And it has been the, I've been blessed to just get to know everybody and it helps you grow in faith, not just from church, just in circles. You can get more, get fed more from the word of Christ by working in circles and just listening and building relationships with the people around you. People here are good at relationships. It's, I'm an introvert. Talking to a camera like this, knowing people are gonna watch it, this is not my thing. But people here are good at connecting and they know, they know how to involve everyone. This is not what I do, this is what Jeremiah does. Um, but it's, I feel like I can do this. Like it is comfortable and I can talk to people and it's okay to share my story. And I'm excited with this grand, grand reopening that, um, they're definitely gearing it towards a new generation to bring the younger um, grades and younger kids up into the life of Christ. And I'm excited to see this church grow. I am. I don't know if I can ever move. Honestly, this is my home. Yeah. I'm sure they're in here somewhere, but those two, yeah, there they are. Those two are killing it. Good job, guys. Uh, let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online. Let me say welcome to the guys at the prison, to our friends at the jail. Uh, today's going to be a little bit different for you because we're talking a lot about a building, and well, you're not in the building. Uh, so we'll get through that here at the beginning, and then we'll get to the more important stuff in a few minutes. But uh, does anybody else just feel an incredible relief? Uh, I am totally amazed uh, by our incredible God who made a way for things to happen in this project that we didn't think were going to happen, and totally amazed by the people in this room who stepped up time and time again. There were 25 of you who spent more time in this building volunteering than anybody should ever volunteer ever, uh, but you did it, and you didn't get paid, but your reward is in heaven, and we're thankful to you, and another couple hundred people who showed up at different times to volunteer. You realize everything, all the carpet was laid by volunteers and, and New Life staff, and all the paint was put up by volunteers and New Life staff, and low-voltage wiring, and landscaping, and building things, and putting these stupid heat detector things on the ceiling. That was terrible. All kinds of things uh, were all done by volunteers. And as a result, 
I think we just built this building for cheaper than anyone will ever build a building like this again. In fact, this week, the architects that... Um, the <laughs> In fact, the architects that uh, designed this building, they're from Kansas City, and they do this all over the country, and they showed up this week to look at the final project, and he walked up and he said, how was it building a building during a pandemic? And I cried. And then, and then I said, it was pretty terrible. He said, well, I'm guessing at some point you talked about stopping. And it's true, we did. Pandemic hits. Do you realize we started building this building exactly one week before pandemic shut us down? And so um, we're all like, okay, are we still doing this? Are we backing out? Are we going to push pause? What's going to happen? Every single person's like, no, charge forward. God called us to this. We're going to do this. Move forward. And the architects show up, and the first thing they say is, I know you probably thought about taking a break or, or delaying it or canceling it or whatever, but they said, we're working with a bunch of churches. Almost all of them chose when pandemic hit to stop, to push pause or delay their project. And he said, every single one of them will never be able to build the building that they were planning to build before pandemic because of inflation and all the cost increases and material price increases. And he said, so good for you moving forward because you just did what you wouldn't be able to do if you would have waited. So we're celebrating that. And just all the way through the project, how God has made a way for things. I mean, weather, I'm glad I wasn't a rancher this year, but as far as building a building goes, God gave us perfect weather for this. And we're just celebrating, not to mention all the incredible people in this room and watching online who gave faithfully to the all-in project that, that made it possible. And you made commitments and you've been giving to your commitments. And I, I cannot possibly say thank you enough. And we're just overwhelmed with gratitude. And I know this today is kind of a feeling of not just good job, Mike, or good job, staff, or good job, volunteers who did it. This is kind of a all of us celebration. Like we did this together and we're still doing it. But, but let's be honest, none of it means a thing. It is all totally pointless and it was a waste of time if it doesn't work, if it doesn't bring people in, if it doesn't get kids begging their parents to bring them to church, if it doesn't get people intrigued by the idea of showing up in church so that they can hear that, that God loves them unconditionally and that God has a plan to save them and give them a mission and to give them a purpose for their life. That's the whole goal. And we believe, wholeheartedly, we believe that this is going to accomplish that. And we're celebrating that today. So if you don't mind, I want to take a couple minutes to kind of take a step back from the details of a building. Uh, a building is one thing, but, but why behind the building is a much bigger thing. And so I kind of want to talk about a little bit of the why today, if you don't mind. Um, we are a church called New Life, and I did not come up with that name. This Somebody else a long time ago came up with the name New Life, but I love it. It comes from this verse in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, recreated. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. New life. New life gives us something to shoot for. It gives us a goal. If you ever... Uh, been to our church annual craft show that we do, uh, you've probably seen these. Anybody got one of these? A few of you. Um, Jim Land is longtime new lifer. Jim Land takes a tree, a wooden block, and he turns it into this. 
And um, every year at our New Life Craft Show, he sells these and people buy them because they're absolutely amazing. This one's very dirty because we use it a lot. And, and Jim takes a block of wood and he turns it into this. When you came in today, you got a Play-Doh. Did anybody get a Play-Doh? Anybody make something cool with your Play-Doh or did you just get it stuck in the carpet? No. Anybody make anything cool? I have this habit where I carry around uh, Play-Doh with me all the time. It's like a stress, or a silly putty, technically. Uh, it's like a stress reliever for me, and everybody's always making fun of me because, yes, it gets hair in it, and it's all gross, and sorry, but it's a stress reliever for me. And uh, we don't have a ton of time. We talk all the time around here but w- about what it means to become what God created you to be. It's kind of our mission statement here. We, we invite people to come as they are, but don't stay that way. Become who God created you to be. And so because we don't have a lot of time to talk about it today, I just think a better way of teaching you what that means is to show you what that means. It means taking a clump of Play-Doh and making something cool with it. Roll it up into a ball and you can now play with it. It's now more useful. It's this, this as a block of wood has a couple of uses, but as a bowl has many uses and it's much more beautiful. The reality is, th- is that when things are recreated, when they are molded into something new, God in Scripture uses the analogy of a potter and his clay. We are the clay. God is the potter. Molding us into something new, actually molding us into something useful. Recreation makes things useful. Do you want to be useful to God? I do. I want to be useful in my life. I want to have purpose. So the wood has some purpose, but the bowl has a much better purpose, a much more useful purpose. We become more useful to God when we allow him to recreate us, to help us to become who he created us to be. Look at the Apostle Paul. Look at the life that he lived and how he was recreated and his ability to be used by God as the recreation than the original creation. And Jesus invites all of us to walk the same journey as the Apostle Paul. Then this is one of the things Apostle Paul says. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And what's the work? What's his mission? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's his calling. And he is not useful to God unless he is recreated into something who is able to accomplish the thing that he was put in this world to accomplish. That is a far cry from the consumer Christianity that we hear so much about so often in the world today. I'm going to go to church so I can get something out of it. I'm going to go to church for a get out of hell free card. I'm going to go to church because it makes me feel good. Consumer Christianity. I'm going to go to the church that makes me feel best. Well, that's not enough. Maybe that's a good first start. And I'm glad that that brings you to church. But at some point, the calling is to become something different because the pattern is always the same. You come and then you become. It's an invitation to follow. It's an invitation to transformation. We believe that following Christ actually change our lives. We don't change our lives. By following Christ, he changes our lives and it changes us for the better. Jesus makes our lives better and he makes us better at life. Well, let's look at the way Jesus invited people. How did Jesus say come? When Jesus was here on earth, he said, 
follow me. This was his invitation. Come as you are. I know you're just a stinky fisherman and I'm a rabbi. That's okay. I'll let you follow me and I will make you so you will become fishers of men. Come and become. This is the invitation of Christ as well. It's an invitation to transformation. When I proposed to Darcy uh, after years of trying, she said yes, thankfully, the first time. And she said yes for many reasons. (laughs) But she said yes largely, largely because she knew that I wanted to be a pastor. And so Darcy always talked about to her friends and to her family that she wanted to be a pastor's wife. And so she said, okay, that path kind of lines up. You're inviting me to, to go with you. I'll go with you because you have a calling on your life that I think lines up with the calling that I have on my life. So she decided to come so that she could become a pastor's wife. She decided to come so that she could become this, apparently. Yes, that's Darcy. That's my wife. She's smoking hot. Did I mention we painted this entire building? Darcy hanging from the rafters, literally hanging from the rafters of this building with a sprayer for weeks and weeks and weeks, painted the ceiling of this building and most of the walls. And uh, so she looked like this for the past few months, and I've never been more turned on by my wife. Anyway, the whole time, every time somebody would say something about how hard this work was or seriously, we got to do another work day or really, the whole time Darcy's yelling, it's for the kids, it's for the kids, do it for the kids. Why? Because Darcy is on a mission. She sees a long-term goal in what she's doing and she's willing to have cake paint in her hair for months because of it. So at New Life, we say, come as you are and become who God created You intimately, like, knit you together in your mother's womb. Not an accident of a big bang. Not some leftover idea. Not some go find yourself. Discover who you are. No, God knit you together in your mother's womb for a purpose. You are not a nobody. You are somebody handmade by God himself for a purpose. So become who he created you to be. When is the last time you invited somebody to follow you as a becomer, as somebody who is not who you used to be? When is the last time that you invited someone to follow you, Christians? Because I look around the church and I see a lot of people who enjoy seeing people where they are and judging people where they are and saying, you should not be there. You should not act that way. You should not say those things. And we fight against the people where they are, but we spend very little time inviting them to something better. When is the last time that we invited someone to something better? That's the come. That's the invitation. And if we are going to become who we were created to be, that means we are going to become more and more like Christ. And what did Jesus do? He said, come follow me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Come, let me show you something better. Watch this. I'm Sarah, this is my friend Paige, and I just want to tell you guys the importance of inviting somebody in by sharing my personal story of just kind of how our friendship developed. So 
I grew up in a non-Christian home in Germany. I never went to church, uh, didn't even know anything about God. Uh, we moved here, I went to seventh grade, I met this lovely individual, Paige, and we very quickly became really good friends. Um, and something I realized early on in our friendship was that her and her family were a little bit different in a good way. Um, they did things like family suppers and then they did this other thing called church on Sundays. Um, and she would go to youth group on Wednesdays and I didn't grow up with that in my life and so it was something really new to me. And I remember the first time Paige invited me to come with her to church. I said no. Uh, this was in seventh grade and because she cares about my heart and because she cares about my salvation, she didn't give up. She would ask me every Wednesday to come to youth group. She wouldn't ask me every Sunday to join her family for church. And for two years straight, I said no. And for two years straight, she persevered and would ask me. Um, and I finally gave in ninth grade year. I went to youth group with her once um, and I loved it. I fell in love with it. I accepted Jesus into my heart very soon after starting to go to church and I never looked back. And so I just am very thankful for her heart and her family's heart and just pursuing me and pursuing just the relationship that we had and inviting me to come in and join their family and also ultimately join God's family. And so I just encourage you to not give up, invite people to church because you never know what one invite can do. And whether they say yes or no the first time, I just want to encourage you to have the perseverance that Paige did in our friendship because she cared so much. And so I just really invite you to never give up asking and inviting people to church because it could change their life. And there's a domino effect because we got a youth pastor out of the deal. So Paige, it's kind of like a youth pastor. She made one. Good job. Hey, uh, anybody know these guys? Yeah, a few people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've invited these guys. These are three previ previous pastors of New Life, uh, Isaac, Wes, and Billy. Um, and so I've invited them up here today to kind of remind us of our, our heritage. We we are spending a lot of time talking about what's in the future and, and where we're going. And I think sometimes it's a good idea to take a look at your past and figure out where you've gone, learn from the mistakes that they made um, so that we don't, we don't make them again. Um, so they are up here to represent our heritage. They do not represent everybody who has invested in new life and, and grown new life and done good things at new life, but they're here to remind us of that. So I guess that means they're just the old guys. Um, you know what they say about uh, how presidents age in office? Happens to pastors too, apparently. So, uh, no, I appreciate you guys being here. Isaac, uh, Isaac Smith was the one who built this building that we're in today. Um, that was a big act of faith, and, and so you've been here before. Uh, what years were you here? Started in 1990. 90. And, uh, and then Wes came in 2000. Five. Five. Uh, Billy helped him out on that one. Billy was Billy was the interim pastor between Wes and I. Yeah. <laughs> they took my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
2011, 2010, 10, yeah, uh, lead pastor in 2011. And, uh, and so they're up here. I, I'm wondering if, Isaac, you would kind of kick us off here. What is it about the DNA that's brought us here? What, why does a church go from a little, what is now our lobby, out in the middle of the field and in a small town, grow to what it's grown to today? What, what happened? Well, I obviously represent ancient history, but like you guys, I inherited DNA which needed to be pr protected and enhanced and sometimes repaired. But uh, in the early 1980s, Jerry Rote was a pastor and a group of wonderful people started this church and they started with a wonderful DNA, not only built on the foundation of loving and serving God, loving and following his word, but specifically there was this others focus and this next generation focus and what's next and what's new. Gillette, of course, even now has this, but way back in the day, it was really a boom bust town. You go from people living in tents to people, nobody living there. And, and I mean, that's an exaggeration, but, but, but it was a boom bust cycle big time. And this church has also been through some boom, bust, boom, years as well. But there's been a remarkable resiliency in this community and in this church, and that's part of the DNA. But part of that is, Mike, what you just preached a little bit ago, the why. Why do we do this? You mentioned the middle 1990s. This will help you out. This building cost a million five. <laughs> uh, it would but, cost more than that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a massive overreach then. And in fact, for a couple of years, it was the largest indoor uh, auditorium in the state of Wyoming, and people, many people said to us, you way over belt, you'll never, you'll never use this, this is just crazy, it's a pipe dream, but before long we had it full, and we had children, and we had young people run out our ears, and we thought we had all this space, and like, oops, uh-huh, wow, we're all of a sudden, man, where'd all these kids come from? And it was exciting and challenging. We were watching lives being transformed. It was fun, phenomenal. So part of that DNA is what's next and who's next and how can we build into that? The, the, the other part of it was that that wasn't just about us as a corporate body, as a church. It was about the people who came. What's next? Because we had the attitude of your past could be interesting and often was, but your future can be amazing. Amen. And if you'll just let God direct you and empower you, oh, wow. And so historically, we've just watched really, really messed up people come to new life. Yep. And God start putting them together and healing and helping. And that's been such a joy and a thrill. And, and there's just been such a non-judgmental attitude about that and, a, and, a, and an openness to that. You know, your testimonies talk about that. But the why of that's been incredibly important. And I am just celebrating today two things. One, the fact, the visual as you come in the front now and you see, huh, they're like kids here. That's way cool. Good for you. Keep it up and don't just have it as a visual like kids here. That's that's amazing. And the other thing is the, you, you, you still you express it more elegantly now that that God is helping you to become who he created you to be. And praise God for that DNA. Keep it going. Amen. Yeah, that's a uh, um, past, current, into the future and also part of a bigger body of Christ, the Wesleyan denomination and sister churches that are also carrying that same mission 
Um, that's just kind of who we are. Wes, I'm wondering if you talked to, you've been through quite a few of these building projects, um, overseen churches that are going through building projects and been a part of them. Um, there's a lot of people here who are really tired. And so there's this like mixture of exhaustion, but also excitement about what could be. I'm wondering if you have any advice for us in our current state. How, how do we take advantage of what just happened? Yeah, I can understand that. I felt that. Uh, I, I really believe, though, now New Life has positioned itself well to focus on building people, really building people. So the theme that you put together this morning is perfect. Like, like Gillette's kind of unique in a lot of ways, right? But one of the ways Gillette is unique is that it becomes home for people who have moved here from a long ways away. Like, you don't move to this community uh, and still have cousins and aunts and uncles like 20 miles away, right? right? You typically come from a long ways away. And just, just this morning, making some reacquaintance, I'm reminded of, of so many people for whom they move here, they're alone, they have no support system, and they desperately need family. And in finding a great family, they find a God who really loves them, and their lives are transformed. It's just amazing. And, and this is, a, disproportionately, this can be a place where people experience family. And one of the things I love is that you've created space now for family. Like there's been space for worship, but you've created space where people can really be family. And I don't know of any other place, at least in the Western United States where I travel and lead, where, where that's needed as much as it's needed here. Like, yeah. like people move from so far and they need family. And in finding that, you can change lives. But it's more than just coming. The cool thing about new life, again, disproportionately so to other churches, is that you, you then sin because a lot of people don't live here forever. Right? So they come, and if they can experience family, then they go to these everywhere. And I see them all over the place. I, I was, we were just talking at first service. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was in Williston, met some people whose lives have been transformed here, and they took that. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago, in, three weeks ago or so, in Anchorage, Alaska, all over the West, I'm watching the influence that New Life has literally, by now building people, you can change the world from here. This is one of the places you can change the world from. Children who grew up here go and they change the world. I see it in like real time. It's unbelievable. I think you hit the nail on the head. We did a survey uh, not too long ago and asked people how far they live from where they were born. And the average new lifer, not the average new lifer lives over a thousand miles from where they were born. Like we're not from here and we also don't stay here. And so uh, we're Coming, becoming, and being sent out on a mission, uh, and, and that's a valuable part of it. Speaking of not being from here, Billy and I are from Kansas City. Um, so go, we're... Go Chiefs. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Billy was kind of the wordsmith behind what has now become something we say constantly, come as you are and become who God created you to be. Um, it was slightly different worded when you came out with it, but I fixed it. It's okay. And, um, and uh, Billy was kind of the behind that. And could you give us an idea of what sparked that? Where, where did that come from? Yeah, I, I think uh, what Isaac was talking about, this idea that you inherit a DNA, and then at some point it's got to become personal for you if it's going to be effective at all. 
And, and so there's a story that I tell, I tell uh, all the pastors I work with, um, I, I talk about this idea that it's the, the mission you're on, the, the church you lead, uh, the community you serve has got to become personal for you or it's just going to be flat. And so, so I, I can tell you a story about uh, the day that it became very, very personal for me as, as I had become the, the senior pastor at New Life. And, and so in the early days, things were going a little bit choppy uh, because I was still trying to figure some things out. Uh, this is the largest church I had ever been part of. And so I was trying to to scale up my leadership and trying to figure out what mission looked like in, in Gillette. And, and so I was working with uh, a staff that, you know, Mike had come along with me um, and w- was helping a lot. And so we knew we had some pieces in place, but we had to, uh, to figure out what the heck we were doing uh, and how we were going to do it. So uh, in one board meeting I had with, with our board of elders, we were talking about, you know, what, does, what is God calling us to do in this community through this church. And so um, in this, I, I used to, um, in those days, I, I would bring the food to the board meetings. And uh, we were on a you know, tight budget, so the food usually ended up being like Domino's Pizza. And uh, they had like a, a sale going on. And then the next week, you know, and, and, or Walmart, you know, provided the food a lot. Um, so I got complaints, if you can imagine that. I got complaints from from the, these board members about, hey, can, we, can, we, can we upgrade from Domino's, you think, Billy? So, so in this season where I'm trying to figure out what we're doing as a church and, and what it's going to look like in this next season, um, I decided to upgrade for the next board meeting, and I went to McDonald's. So here's, here's what happened in the McDonald's Big drive-thru. <laughs> I'm having a conversation with God, maybe a conversation you know, similar to what you've had. is like, God, I, I'm in over my head, and I need your help fast. Uh, because I've got to, I've got to at least act like I know what I'm doing, and and I'm not sure I do know what I'm doing, Lord. And so I was having that conversation. Get to to my turn to to place the order. Uh, cheeseburgers, fries, okay. And then I I'm pulling around and still continuing on in this conversation with God, and and saying, can you can you just help me know what I'm doing? And in, this has happened very few times in my life, but I felt like God's presence was right there. And he just kind of nudged me and says, you know, look up, look around. And, and so I, I go from, you know, just looking down kind of inside my own head. And I look up and I see a woman who's just parked her car and she's walking right in front of my truck into the McDonald's. And I hear not an audible voice of God, but I hear this voice in my head ask this question. Who's going to tell her that I love her? Because right now she doesn't know. And I look and I see the face of this woman that just encapsulated sadness to me. I just she she was just I, I don't know her story. She might have been just doing great that day. I don't know. But there was an exchange, uh, barely a look where she looks up to me and I and and I just. I, I was like, Lord, do I get out of my truck and follow her in and invite her to church? And it's like, no, you'll creep her out if you do that. <laughs> but, but there was this, this, this conviction that set in like that, that I had to figure out how to get the message of God's love to that woman. And so we began making deals as a church, like, okay, I don't know. And you never knew who that, I don't know who that woman was, never knew her name, never met her as far as I know. 
but everything, it, it just, the, the mission, the direction, the ideas was rallied around this idea that if she ever walks through those doors, if we fail at everything else, we're not going to fail at this, she's going to know that God loves her. And we'll, do, we'll, we'll drop every other program, we'll, we'll, we'll change everything, we'll, we'll reorganize things, we'll do stuff that's unpopular, but we are going to fail at that mission. She's going to know God loves her. Whatever she did last night, whatever she's, what, whatever she's done in her past, whatever regret she's carrying, whatever scar she's got, doesn't matter. Doesn't change the fact that God loves her. Because how can you trust someone who's inviting you to become who you were meant to be unless you trust the fact that the one who created you is in love with you? And so I just, I pictured this woman every single Sunday as I'm preparing every message and talking, you know, um, every single message I preach, I just, it's like, if she's there, she's going to hear this. God loves you. God loves you. You're loved. And, and the way they start to believe that is when people around them show them love. And it, it became very, very simple, but fairly passionate for me. And uh, so the come as you are, become who you were meant to be, became just something that I could understand and a message I could preach your loved. You said it the old way. Some might say the better way, but it's <laughs> change is good also. I don't know. Wouldn't it be awesome if that lady stood up in the audience right now and said, that's me. I don't know. We don't know who she is. That's good. Might have been an angel. We don't know. Could have been. Hey, uh, thank you for joining us for this service. Uh, can we give it up for these guys? Yep.